Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome into episode 63 of the Landscape Photography Show. Now, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know that there are certain episodes that I like to record that do not have a guest on them. These are episodes where I like to try to answer an interesting correlation, interesting questions, or just have spent weeks going down a rabbit hole of thoughts that I think correlate to the life of a landscape photographer, either a professional one or one that is just a hobbyist. Today is one of those episodes. So I'm trying to really answer the question about photography business. And if you're a hobbyist and you're reaching for the skip button or delete button on this episode, I want you to hold real quick because I do think that this episode, even though it is geared towards photography business and that might not be your thing, I think you can pull things from this episode that are going to help you in the more analytical part of landscape photography, whether that be the processing part, the, the editing part, or just your workflow in the field and how you can apply these same mindsets to that. That'll make more sense once we get into the episode itself. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So if you follow me on YouTube, you know that I recently came out with a video, and if you're listening to this in the distant future, you can go back and look at my YouTube channel and search for what is the life of a landscape photographer really like, and that video will come up. And it features a lot of my friends in photography talking about what they struggle with in the life of a landscape photographer and talking about, you know, it's not all... Instagram influencer type content of joyous experiences and stellar sunrises every single day. We talk about, you know, stuff we go through on on finances, on loneliness, on uh, how we make money on on the business side. And, And with all that said, I know it can come across as a little bit gripey and a little bit whiny, but At the end, we talk about, we love doing this. We're so passionate about what we do that we can't do anything else with our lives. Um, And and it really got me thinking to a point, especially the segment with Adam Gibbs talking about his one piece of advice for photographers if they're looking to get into making any kind of money in landscape photography at all is take a business course because the part that gets overlooked so much is the business side. We're so creative, we're so passionate about what we do that the facts of business and learning how to do specific things in business like marketing, like uh, doing our taxes, um, like what can be categorized as like a write-off or something like that. Do you do an LLC? Are you a sole proprietor? Do you contract your work? All these things can go into that category. And it really got me thinking on this question that I started to muse over. Do photographers suck at business? Or 
does business suck for photographers? And I'll say that again, do photographers suck at business or does business suck for photographers? Are we so bad on the business side that we just cannot recognize that, that we struggle with the analytical, the, the streamlined processing and straight thinking of business that we're just really bad at it? Or has business gone so far to that point of you know, getting out in social media and using business in that way and oversaturating the market with photographers and, and prices and uh, all these different things of people can, can now buy prints at Walmart that are great and be overproduced for pennies on a dollar than what we can produce in prints that are actually a high quality fine art landscape photograph. So do we suck at business or the does the business suck for us. And this whole episode is going to go through several different hypotheses that I came up with while I was thinking about this question and several different websites that I went to to kind of research what I was thinking about when I was gathering information to do this episode. And it led me down, I think, a path that I didn't expect to get to because I was looking to get to a point where I would have this finite conclusion of what the business side is for landscape photographers and how they can be better at it. I think I came away with a different way of thinking about business for landscape photographers and not just the business side for landscape photographers, but also the way that we can pull information and processes of thinking using the information that I found. So the thesis question, of course, do photographers suck at business or does business suck for photographers? My hypothesis when I first started this was photographers suck at business because of the left and right brain differences. You know, if you think about the way your brain is made up, at least how I learned in my probably 10% effort of learning about this in school, um, your brain operates in two different hemispheres. So your brain is broken up into a left hemisphere and a right hemisphere. Each one processes information differently than the other one. So I, since I was not good at science or anything like that in school, I did a quick Google search and I found an article on healthline.com about your brain hemispheres being divided up into two different hemispheres that process information differently. Now, the left side of the brain is the more analytical side of the brain. This is dealing with logic, uh, sequencing, linear thinking, mathematics, facts, and thinking in words. So when I rattle off each one of those, it, it seems like that is not the strong suit of photographers. Maybe one or two poke out to you as, hey, I'm good at that, or you know, I'm good at linear thinking, I'm good at mathematics. But all of them together don't really correlate with art or artistic expression, which is what I'm kind of going for in the, my photography. Now, the right side of the brain 
is a little bit different. This is the more creative side of the brain. And this is where your imagination comes in, uh, holistic thinking, intuition, arts, rhythm, nonverbal cues, and then feelings and visual visualizations and daydreaming come into play. Now, if I read off all of those, I check off the box to every single one of those. So I'm a very right-brained person, more of the creative side of that. Now, this really had me thinking, yes, this hypothesis is going to be true. We suck at business because we are predominantly, not every photographer, but we are predominantly right-brained people. However, I, I was wrong. The more I read in this article, the more I realized that this hypothesis was very narrow-minded and surface-level thinking on this fact. So although your brain hemispheres process information differently, they're not independent entities and they're actually connected by nerve fibers. Again, this is not premeditated knowledge. This is information I found out on Healthline.com. Human brain even has the ability to reorganize and remap itself. And whether you're doing something logical or creative, both sides are actually talking and complementing one another while you're going through that sequence of thoughts. So the argument that we are left brain or right brain doesn't make sense because if our brains have the ability to communicate back and forth and not be separate ent entities of hemispheres, we have the ability to pull from the analytical side to the creative side, from the creative side to the analytical side. And our brains can remap through life experiences, through traumas, through successes, and relearn information and relearn how to do things the next time around. If I think about who I was as a person in, let's say, high school or middle school uh, or even college age, I was a much different person, I feel like, or maybe I didn't know as much about myself and my personality that I do now. So I would act much differently or respond much differently now than I would back then. And if I could give you an example, you know, through life experiences of different traumas, I now respond to situations much, much differently. That's an example that I can look back to in my own life, and I'm sure you can look back to this, whoever's listening, to instances in your life that have now changed how you would respond to something, whether that is a traumatic or, or a sad event or, or an extremely happy event that you can look back to that would change your response or change your emotion connected to an event or a person, or a thing, an entity. So when we think about that, um, this doesn't make sense. My hypothesis is absolutely wrong, and I need to continue looking towards what could be the issue here. So the original question, are we bad at business, or is business bad for us? I formed a new hypothesis after discovering all of this information on healthline.com, and my new hypothesis turned into personalities must be the root 
of being a successful business person. So your personality traits must go into this. And this led me to a different website because I, I'm not, uh, I know about personalities. I know about personality traits when it comes to, um, you know, some, some of the tests that you can take, but, but I'm not an expert by any means. Um, I couldn't look at a person and say, oh, you're a personality fill in the blank. I think that looking at specific traits correlated to business-minded people or successful entrepreneurs, as I'll put it in this episode, would help this hypothesis. So I went to entrepreneur.com. I looked up personality traits for successful entrepreneurs, and I got a list of 10 personality traits that I knew were going to back up my argument that we must be bad at business because um, of our personality traits and how we think about things as photographers. So number one, open-minded. Number two, focused. Number three, influential. Number four, willful. Number five, modest. Number six, self-reflective. Number seven, process-oriented. Number eight, charismatic. Number nine, empathetic. And number 10, daring. Um, when I read through that list, again, this does not apply to every single person because every single person is going to have different ones of these personalities. Um, but if I look at predominantly how I see a lot of the people that I know in landscape photography, I checked off five of these 10 that we kind of have as landscape photographers. So only 50% of these personality traits. And I'll read through these again. Um, open-minded, yeah, maybe, but predominantly photographers, especially the fine art landscape photographers, uh, if you look on Twitter anytime in the past few years, you know that there are arguments of secluding parts of landscape photography that may have an argument there, may not. It's kind of a gray area. Do we accept it? Do we not? I know in, in those situations, I tend to be very close-minded, and I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, but open-minded, while yes, in some situations, I would say not so much for landscape photographers, especially in, in landscape photography. Maybe in other parts of your life, but not when it comes to the art of landscape photography. So moving on to number two, focused. Obviously, there's a pun here to play on landscape photographers using our cameras and lenses. But I would say, yes, focused. We are focused people. We do go through the process of infield workflow, narrowing down our composition, and really focusing in on what the subject of our image actually is. What does it portray? What does it say? How do we connect to it? So all these play into, yeah, we're focused. I, I can say that for sure. Influential? Some of us, probably. All of us? No. Willful? I would say yes for the willful, especially if you are a professional landscape photographer, because it is such a difficult, difficult field to be making money full time in. So you have to be willful to push yourself to that point and really stick to it through all the difficulties of what comes with being a landscape photographer. So yeah, I would say we're willful people. 
Um, modest, I would definitely say modest is a great way to describe us. So that's another yes. We are not afraid, myself especially, to sleep in the trunk of my car to save a few dollars on getting to a location and getting there faster. I'm not afraid to stay in a cheap, shady motel to get to a location more quickly and save some money on a trip. Uh, So I would say, yeah, we're modest people overall, excluding our camera equipment. Self-reflective, absolutely. I think landscape photographers are very self-reflective. I've found a lot of my images and a lot of my friends' images were very uh, hard on ourselves and we critique ourselves um, very, very poignantly and very difficultly. Uh, We really look at who we are as landscape photographers and what we're trying to do with our creative style and our art form. So self-reflective, especially for the majority of people that I've had on this show, uh, are very self-reflective people. Process-oriented? No. Charismatic? Um, We are more determined, I would say, to stay out of the limelight and be hermits walking around in nature. So charismatic, nah. Empathetic, yeah, I would say we're pretty empathetic people uh, when it comes to dealing with clients or talking with people on social media who follow us. We're very appreciative and empathetic to the fact that some people are where we used to be and we will gladly jump in more often than not to help those people out. Um, Daring, I struggle with that one because I'm not so sure daring is part of being a landscape photographer. Maybe it is for you, but overall, I don't really see that. So that goes through the 50% of being focused, willful, uh, modest, self-reflective, and empathetic to people. So does my hypothesis line up? Well, with 50% of personality traits only lining up with being an entrepreneur, I'm going to say not really. So I formed a different hypothesis. Well, I've tried to prove that landscape photographers are bad for business because X, and I've failed twice. So I went on the other side of it. New hypothesis, you know, business for landscape photographers must be one that isn't conducive for creatives right now. So the business must suck for us in that sense. And I started thinking about this a lot because business for landscape photographers can be very difficult. I gave the example of you could go buy a print at Walmart or Target or Home Goods or something like that and get it for really cheap pennies on a dollar for what you could get from a professional landscape photographer that went out, spent the time, spent the effort, spent the money to get to a location and produce a print and put it on really fine paper in that print or surface of whatever you printed it on that is conducive and complements the photograph. Um, You can easily go find something for cheap put it up on the wall really quickly, and have a decorated home. So in terms of prints and that example, the business is bad in prints, I'd say predominantly. 
but you can also bring that over that saturation argument over into other parts of business of YouTube, using YouTube to do photography and teach people and build your presence there. Very saturated market, has a lot of photographers coming in in that scene. Um, you can do the same argument with things like education. If you do an online course, that's very saturated at the moment. So we have all of these things that are saying business is oversaturated, it's bad for landscape photographers. But then I looked and internalized my own income streams for landscape photography. And just to throw out a few, I have online sales, uh, meetings online, production of video content, affiliate links, and those are just four of the several ways that I make money. All of these are predominantly non-traditional ways that you think of making money as a landscape photographer. So is my hypothesis on that still intact? I would say no. Um, when I look at different ways of making income right now in landscape photography, it's very open to new ways that you can make money, different ways that you can be creative about your income streams and work with a lot of collaborations with different brands, different people, and different projects. So predominantly looking at my own income streams, I'm going to say no. Now, I know that's very different from a lot of photographers because a lot of photographers do still do prints. A lot of photographers do workshops. I don't do a lot of workshops. I do basically zero print sales. So if I'm thinking about the overall question of where we started with this episode, do photographers suck at business or do does the business suck for photographers? I, I came up with, with a final hypothesis here that is, neither statement is true. In fact, the belief that lack of creativity in an analytical field holds photographers back and, and can thus make us feel like business is against us if we don't recognize that the brain operates in different ways but also remaps and connects while we're thinking about these processes we can pull creative ideas from the right side of our brain over to the analytical side of the brain. If we think outside the box on what we're doing in business and connect that to how we process information in the field and how we see a composition and how we see light and color, uh, we can pull that into the business side. I think it just takes a lot more patience for us to do that. I know coming to you from a personal standpoint, which is all I can do because I don't know how other photographers operate in their business too much. But coming to you from a personal standpoint, if I'm coming up with ideas on new ways to interact with people or new ways that I can make income with my landscape photography, since I do have to pay bills, um, I, I think about things for an entire day, maybe weeks sometimes on writing down the initial idea and then having multiple different streams of thoughts going down the page of paper and then finally landing on a simple 
processed way of doing my creative idea. So that's an example using both sides of your brain, creatively coming up with ideas on how you can do a global, we'll, we'll call it a global idea. Let's use global and local processing terms for this, a global idea, and then localizing that thought with the process of what needs to be done to get to that point. Um, you can also say the macro idea and the micro steps that you need to take to do that. So you can use both sides of your brain. It just takes much more patience using the left side. However, with the argument of remapping the brain and how it can learn from experiences, I think that that process becomes a lot more streamlined the more you do it because it learns from those past experiences. You can come up with an idea on the fly. Maybe you don't even need a piece of paper anymore after you've done this several times and you can have an idea driving down the road and you can say, okay, when I get back home, I need to do this, 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 and this to make this happen. Now, that's not saying there are a lot of bad ideas along the way. I've definitely had my fair share of bad ideas, but it is saying that the process can be learned, remapped, streamlined, and use both sides of the brain to do that, both creative and analytical. Um, so if our brains can communicate on both sides, relearn, remap, we can mold the analytical side into the passion that we have for landscape photography and the creative side of business. Now, also on the last hypothesis that I came up with before I landed on my final one, um, that business for landscape photographers is just bad, that we currently live in an age of the internet where I, I don't even struggle to say it. Anything is literally possible. You have people making an, a, a big income off of their pets on social media. If they're able to do that, then we can figure out how to use social media, how to use the internet to make a modest income using creative ideas that we come up with. I'm not saying you have to enjoy social media to do this. You can do this with an email list. You can do this with a blog on your website if you figure out a creative way to do a blog and collaborating with different people. You can build something out of that as well. This isn't all about Instagram. This isn't all about Facebook. This isn't all about pay to play when you think of creating ads and gaining income from social media streams. This is about using the reach that's possible to make an income or make a side income with your landscape photography based on the reach that you have, based on the possibilities that Honestly, the internet is just kind of scratching the surface. It hasn't even been out that long, if you really think about the grand scale of it. So it, it, it kind of fascinates me that we have the reach ability with the internet and we're not using it well for landscape photography. So I can create a course and go on my website analytics and look at where that's landing you know, within 30 minutes of posting something, I'm reaching multiple different countries at once within, you know, a few minutes. 
which is fascinating to me. How do you use that to your advantage as a landscape photographer? I think that's really up to you. Do I have a solid answer for it? No. Because the internet is constantly changing and evolving, let's use the brain example of remapping itself. We constantly also have to adapt to what's going on on the internet to figure out ways of using it to our advantage and not thinking about it in a negative framework that is so easy to do oftentimes. Now, there's a lot going on on the internet. There's a lot of noise. Talk about saturation. There's a lot of people on it, obviously. But I think that if you are true to yourself and are true to your voice, you have the ability to use that to your advantage in business. So does business suck for photographers or do photographers suck at the business side? Neither is true. I think we are limited by that way of thinking and more opportunities will open up for us if we continue to be creative like we are in the field, like we are in post-processing when we think about business in that same mindset and stop thinking about it in such a negative way. Now in the Adam Gibbs argument, saying that we do need to take a business course and learn it. A hundred percent agree. There are points in business that, you know, using the creative side of your brain and the non-creative side of the brain won't technically help you. If you just sit down and brainstorm how to do your taxes and then turn those in, that's probably not going to go very well for you. Uh, you might get audited and you might over the government a lot of dollars. So there are some things in business that you do need to learn. Practices, ethics, uh, taxes, again, use that as that was a big learning curve for me when I first started. So you do, I think that you do need to take a course on photography business, but I think you need to do it in a way that streamlines your creative thinking on how you can achieve what you want to with your landscape photography in an analytical world.